Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, konnichiwa. Nikki Young here, back with my true crime podcast series, Serial Napper. Okay, I'm giving you a warning right out of the gate tonight. This story is heavy as hell. In fact, it might be the only case I've done where I've actually teared up while doing my research. So here is your trigger warning. The story does involve the murder of babies, so it's obviously a very heavy topic with lots of feelings, but I also think it's an important one to talk about. We are taking this story tonight to Tokyo, where I'm currently living, to talk about Miyuki Ishikawa, also known as the Demon Midwife. Miyuki is believed to have murdered around 103 infants, but most likely more, with the aid of several accomplices throughout the 1940s. This must make her one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. 
However, the story of who she was, what she did, and why is much different than your average psycho serial killer. So stay tuned. Before we jump into tonight's case, we have a new sponsor to talk about. I was trying to think of the best way to segue into this, but I don't think there is one. So we're just going to go with the fact that we get to talk about something awesome and fantastic before jumping into tonight's case. Along with true crime, one of my other big interests is makeup and skincare and everything to do with beauty. So I was super excited to hear from Lisa Florenzen, an online beauty advisor with BeautyTap.com. BeautyTap provides diverse, inclusive, and cutting-edge skincare and makeup brands from all over the globe. Lisa brings over 30 years of past experience as a makeup artist and image consultant, making her the perfect beauty concierge with beautytap.com. She would be honored to help you, my listeners, with any skin and beauty concerns as she not only addresses external factors, but internal health and wellness too. Beauty Tap has a myriad of articles, videos, tips, and tricks to help you make your beauty mark on the world. Their new sample program has recently launched, which means you can order any three samples shipped directly to your door for just $5, and that is credited to your account for a future purchase, which means the samples are basically free. Go register and follow Lisa at beautytap.com slash members slash beautymark, that's M-A-R-Q-U-E, and allow her to make your beauty mark on the world. I also have her link in my show notes, so click on over and see what she has to offer. Halfway through the show, I'm going to talk a little bit more about BeautyTap and some of the services that Lisa offers, so stay tuned. Okay guys, now that we're all in a good mood talking about makeup and skincare, I'll warn you that things are about to go downhill from here. Now, before we get into what Miyuki did, I think it's important to talk about the climate in Japan at the time. Japan was a very different place than it is now, and it was a very different place than North America. Remember, they were kind of on the wrong side of history, which is no fault of the everyday citizen. Their government simply chose the wrong side to back, being a little too ambitious to overtake territory. So in 1945, when the war was won by the Allies, Japan was forced to surrender. The country was completely devastated by the aftermath of war. They had the effects of the atomic bomb, they had massive casualties, and a failing economy to deal with. Most people just wanted to move on, they wanted to move forward, and they wanted to rebuild. And the country actually saw a massive baby boom around this time. Actually, about 2.6 million babies were born annually every single year from 1947 to 1949. That is huge. You guys, Japan is not that big of a country, so these numbers are truly over the top. However, with this big baby boom came a lot of problems. The country was still very much poor. People couldn't afford to raise these babies, and they didn't have access to birth control, and abortion was illegal. 
keep all of this in mind as we move forward with the story. So, Miyuki Ishikawa was born sometime in 1897. The exact date is unknown. She was born in Miyazaki Prefecture, which is located in southern Japan. It's about a 16-hour car ride from Tokyo, to put things in perspective. Sometime in the 40s, she studied at the University of Tokyo, and she got married to Takeshi Ishikawa. She started working as a midwife in the maternity ward of a local hospital, and she even became the director of that ward. The fact that she progressed so quickly in her career, even as a woman, leads me to believe that she must have been good at her job at some point. While Miyuki was hospital director in the Kotobuki Maternity Hospital, which doesn't appear to be in existence anymore, she came across many babies in the maternity ward belonging to parents who were poor and unable to raise them. Oftentimes, they would come to her with their financial struggles, and unfortunately, she wasn't able to help the infants because of a lack of social and charitable services. There just weren't programs in place at the time for these kind of situations back then. So she kind of came up with this idea that she thought would be a plausible solution. She would allow these infants to die while under her care in the hospital. I say allow them to die because it wasn't her actions that caused them to die. Rather, it was her inaction. She allowed these infants to die due to neglect. She wouldn't feed them, hold them, or care for them in any way. And they would eventually perish due to starvation and dehydration. One of the most heartbreaking points that I read was that Newborns will cry when they need something, but after a while, after realizing nobody is coming to help them, that, you know, nobody is listening to their cries, they just become silent. Seriously, I I cried when reading about it. Almost all of the other midwives employed by the Kotobuki Maternity Hospital were absolutely disgusted by this practice and ended up resigning from their positions. So it's not like she did this kind of in a hidden way with nobody knowing. The people that worked with her knew that she was doing this and a lot of them ended up quitting because they just they didn't want this on their conscience. Clearly they could have done a lot more to help maybe be, you know, turning her in or something, but they did it. She clearly did have some help in doing this and keeping it a secret because she went on to kill at least 103 babies. A nurse cannot simply get away with killing at least 103 babies due to neglect without some help from people in higher places. All of that information was about to make the news as police found something that they were just unable to ignore. Two police officers from the Waseda police station accidentally found the remains of five of Ishikawa's victims on January 12, 1948. I couldn't find a whole lot of information in regards to how they found these remains, but I think it may have been in the maternity ward itself, as they were able to identify the culprit quite quickly. Autopsies performed on the bodies of the five babies proved that they had not died of natural causes, so they weren't sick or anything like that. The babies died from being malnourished, from being neglected. 
Miyuki and her husband, Takeshi, were arrested on January 15th, 1948, just three days later. At first, I was like, what? Like, what did Takeshi have to do with this? But everything was to come out in court, and things ran a lot deeper than just a midwife who neglected babies to death. During the investigation, it was discovered that many of these infants' mothers had actually deserted them and even paid Miyuki money to dispose of their babies. She and her husband Takeshi solicited large sums of money from these parents, claiming to them that it would be less expensive than the actual amount of cost of raising these unwanted children. It's unclear as to whether these parents knew that she was going to kill the babies, but in court, Miyuki argued that the parents were actually responsible for their deaths, not her, because they were the ones who abandoned their babies. She would go on to say that sometimes the mothers would ask her to kill their child so that they wouldn't have to. Anything to prevent pregnancy at that time was not allowed, and they would be severely punished if they even tried. So Miyuki offered them this alternative solution. For a fee, of course. Now, another doctor that worked at the hospital, Shiro Nakayama, was also complicit in this scheme, and he aided the couple by falsifying death certificates. So he would write on these death certificates that the babies died of natural causes. And Mr. Ishikawa, Miyuki's husband, would later testify that he would pay about a thousand yen apiece in addition to numerous other presents. A thousand yen today is equal to around $10 US, which back then would have been a heck of a lot of money. Of course, Dr. Nakayama claimed that when he had been called into consultation by the Ishikawas, the child in question had always been in a condition too far for medical help. He denied having accepted any fees for the 39 death certificates that he personally signed. Either way, it didn't go unnoticed that so many infants were dying in this hospital. However, it is said that the Shinjuku Ward Office, which is the local government, was aware of what was happening and ignored their actions. It is rumored that while the government was aware that there were issues with the number of unwanted babies and the number of babies dying, they didn't have a solution or want to put a solution in place. Upon further investigation, police found over 40 dead bodies in the house of a mortician. 30 infant corpses were later discovered in a temple. The sheer number of dead bodies recovered and the length of time over which the murders took place made it really difficult for the authorities to determine the exact number of victims. Consequently, the exact death toll remains unknown. However, we do know that it is more than 103 babies. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. 
I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When Miyuki was arrested, five surviving babies were removed from her care. All of them were reported to be in critical condition, suffering from malnutrition, pneumonia, bronchitis, and skin diseases. I'm uncertain if these five babies were able to recover or if they were also added to her body count. I couldn't find any information um, in regards to their health. Um, or if they were able to survive. The authorities viewed her homicides as a crime of omission, 
In the Tokyo District Court, Ishikawa was sentenced to just eight years in prison. Takeshi and Dr. Shiro Nakayama were each sentenced to just four years imprisonment. In 1952, the Tokyo High Court revoked the original sentence and sentenced Ishikawa to just four years in prison and Takeshi to two years for murdering over 103 babies. Now, the big issue that the court actually took issue with was the taking of money. They didn't so much care that... They murdered these babies through neglect. What they really cared about is that they were taking money from the parents is what it kind of seems like. If you guys have listened to previous cases I've covered in Japan, you'll know that unfortunately this wasn't all that common for murderers to get such a short sentence. While the conviction rate in Japan is extremely high, it's something like 99% of cases that are tried actually result in convictions. The number of years people get in prison seems to be quite low, especially for extreme cases like this. Like if this were to happen in North America, if this were to happen in Canada, I mean, we don't have the death penalty, but that person would be in prison for the rest of their life. Miyuki claimed, and maybe she really believed, that these babies were better off dying than living a life of poverty, disease, and suffering. Clearly, there was something just not right in her brain, because I can only imagine how much these babies must have suffered alone, slowly dying as she left them to starve. Like I said, this is one of the only cases I've looked into where I've actually cried while doing the research. It's so heartbreaking to imagine that someone could be capable of such a thing. This made her think that the best solution was to actually leave all of these newborn babies to die, since that was better than living a life of suffering. I mean, it's nice to help and act when you see others going through such harsh situations, but there's a huge difference between finding a viable solution to a problem and deliberately killing babies. I think it's pretty clear the way that her and her husband and the doctor who signed the death certificates, that this had more to do with making money than saving babies from suffering. Now, I don't want to get political here or offend anyone who may be against this for religious or personal reasons, but I'm just going to state the facts about how this case brought about change in Japan. So after this horrific incident occurred, the Japanese government began to consider the legalization of abortion in Japan. On July 13, 1948, the Eugenic Protection Law, which is now called the Mother's Body Protection Law, and a national examination system for midwives was established. On June 24, 1949, abortion for economic reasons was legalized under the Eugenic Protection Law in Japan. So finally, the government began to actually admit that there was a problem and to offer some viable solutions so that they wouldn't have more Miyuki Ishikawas out there popping up all over the place, taking money to get rid of babies. So it's kind of crazy, but 
These kind of killings were not so uncommon in Japan back then, and I doubt it's even just Japan that dealt with the situation in this manner. Times were most certainly different then. In Itabashi in 1930, there was a couple that were accused of murdering 41 foster children that they couldn't afford to take care of. Hatsutaro Kawamata was arrested in 1933 for murdering at least 25 foster children in her care. And sadly, Japanese tradition also disputed the rights of infants. Cases like this, cases involving infanticide by a parent, had been typically regarded as bodily injury resulting in death under the criminal code of Japan until 1907. So infants weren't even really considered to be people or to have any sort of rights. It wasn't even really seen as murder. It was seen as sort of injury resulting in death. I don't know. Now, I know in the U.S. and I believe in Canada, we have safe haven laws. So these laws allow parents to safely abandon an infant at a designated place where the infant will receive needed care and will be made available for adoption. In return, the parents who leave their babies are excused from criminal prosecution. Now, I looked it up and it does appear that there is at least one of these in Japan and they call it a baby hatch. The last update I was able to find about this baby hatch is from 2017. It's actually still very controversial. Um, It was set up in Kumamoto Hospital in 2007 to enable parents to leave infants anonymously. And they've received a total of 125 babies over the nine years through March 2016. And it's still the only facility like this in the country. There's other ones that have attempted to pop up, but they haven't been able to get the funding and all of the permits in place to have a safe facility. And even this one that does exist, it's been met with lots of controversy. The advocates call it a last resort to save lives, but the opponents regard it as giving the green light to parents to abandon their children. In Japan, abandoning a baby is normally punished with up to five years in prison. However, this one baby hatch that they have is exempt. I wanted to give you a little bit of that information. I know I have listeners from all over the world. And while Japan is an incredible country that is so advanced in so many ways, it is still very traditional in others. So it's always interesting to get the perspective of another country. Now, nothing is really known about Miyuki Ishikawa and what happened to her once she got out of prison. We do know that while she remained married, their marriage didn't produce any children, which I think we can all be thankful for. That's it for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. I know it's tough to talk about issues like this, but ignoring them doesn't mean they didn't happen. And I think it's interesting that the most prolific killer in Japan, who killed over 100 babies and maybe even as many as 500 babies, only received four years in prison and then was free to live her life as she wanted. It's crazy. 
I want to once again thank tonight's sponsor, Lisa Florenzen, beauty advisor at beautytap.com. You guys go check out the products. You will not be disappointed. And make sure you go follow Lisa at beautytap.com slash members slash beauty mark. That's M-A-R-Q-U-E. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper. Or I'm on YouTube. Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. And if you have a minute, take a second, just a second, to leave me a review on whatever podcasting app you're listening to me on. I always appreciate your support. All right, until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.